Welcome to a brand new episode of Release Your Roar. Raw conversations with inspiring guests that dug deep to become a success. Use this episode wisely. Let it activate you and release your roar. Here's your host, author, speaker, executive coach, and founder of Becoming a Lioness and the Ari Source, Crystal de Leon Sarmiento. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining in to listen to this podcast with Dynamo legend Brian Ching. In this specific um, podcast, we are taping live at his location, East End Backyard. So keep in mind, you'll hear all the energy, all the stuff that goes on um, indoors when you listen to this podcast. He was so generous to let us come out and tour his new place um, and also tape it, tape our, our amazing interview with him there. So if you're wondering what is East End Backyard, let me just give you a little info on it. It's an amazing little bar. It's in Edo, which stands for East Downtown Houston, if you guys are not local. Um, they feature 25 beers and ciders on tap, plus a rotating fleet of food trucks. That right there should draw you out. Um, and it's outdoors, so they've got over 20,000 square feet of outdoor patio space, plus a 3,500 square foot dog park. So with that being said, let's jump on into the interview. I'm so excited because I'm in front of Brian Ching. <laughs> He's never seen me before, but I've seen him a bazillion times. So thank you so much for your time, Brian. I'm so thankful that you gave us the time today. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So for you guys out there that um, are fans of the soccer world, you would know that Brian Ching is the soccer player that everybody knows that loves in the Dynamo. He's basically a legend. Um, and my introduction for him is you've been playing soccer since, oh, since I was seven, probably seven. Yeah. Wow. So you're, you're real young. So that's what, like 10 <laughs> I, years. I, I wish <laughs> that was a long, long time ago. Oh my um, goodness. No, actually I started, uh, because my mom was like, why don't you play organized sports? And I was like, what and she was like ah well why don't you try soccer i was like i was kind of a shy kid so uh i said well if, if you coach i'll play and so she was my first coach and then kind of fell in love with it after that how interesting is that that most people who like start playing some type of sport usually it's because a parent kind of guides them into that but very few times do you see somebody that just naturally has that gift and it's like wow that kid's like a superstar right <laughs> I don't know if I was a superstar from the start but I, I was definitely athletic and one of the more athletic kids and I think that you know my real love was wanting to be a professional surfer my dad was a beach boy in Waikiki oh growing gosh. up so <laughs> I, I failed at that but you know <laughs> I'm not complaining um so, you know, I just, it was one of those things where I just, I enjoyed it, you know, I enjoyed the competitive as aspect of it and that I was pretty good at it. Um, you know, nowadays it's completely different, uh, the game, totally. right? I mean, they're playing so much from even a younger age at times. And so, um, you know, I, it wasn't like I followed a league or anything like that. Uh, soccer wasn't on TV much growing up and, 
uh, it was just one of those things where I enjoyed it. I was pretty good at it. And then it wasn't until probably uh, seventh, eighth grade, my mom's like, hey, if you're going to go to college, you got to help me try to get a scholarship that I really was like, well, what am I good at? Maybe I can, maybe yeah. I could do something. So that's where I really kind of dedicated myself to try to get a college scholarship. I was fortunate enough to do that. So basically what I hear you saying is that soccer to you was mainly something for fun. It really wasn't what so many people you know, have the desire to live in soccer and, and have a, you know, they watch it from when they're little. Basically, you just started playing the game and it just came naturally. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm competitive. Uh, I was extremely competitive, you know, cry after every loss type of thing. So I think that that's what kind of drove me, right? It yeah. was just the competitive nature of, of the sport, not wanting to lose. And uh, it wasn't so much a, a love for the game from the beginning. It was just... I, I, I hated to lose. I felt uh, in a lot of ways insecure if I lost. <laughs> so I would do everything I could to not, not have those feeling. feel, those feelings. And that's that's kind of what drove me. And, um, you know, fortunately, it, it, it all worked out. And, um, you know, a little bit of luck along the way, a lot of hard work. And uh, I was able to kind of live out, uh, I wouldn't say my dream, but mm -hmm. it, it was definitely a, a dream type of, um, you know, path that I felt that you followed. So basically, so what you're saying is that because it was just in your nature, you were competitive, you didn't like the way it felt to lose. So is it safe to say that you probably would have been a champion in no matter what sport you decided to do? <laughs> Except for surfing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was, I, yeah, I did have just that competitive drive and that push. Um, and, you know, maybe, I, you know, but I think things, like I said, a little bit of luck along the way, things kind of work out. You know, you find the right coaches at the right time and uh -huh. uh, progressed um, uh, and, you know, forced myself to kind of commit myself to, to doing the right things. And I created a lot of good habits uh -huh. uh, when I was young and because... I did that, those things kind of carried me through to be successful. What would you attribute your um, success and your disciplineship? Would that be something that came from you naturally or really was it your parents forcing you or how much of that has to do with your mom specifically? Yeah, she was a huge influence on my life. I mean, she worked hard, raised three boys pretty yeah. much on her own for the most part. And, um, you know, never, we never really, you know, uh, wanted for anything she always took care of everything and, and and worked hard and so i you know i picked up a lot of that from her picked up a lot of the competitiveness of always competing with my older brother mm. trying to be better than him uh are and you then, the youngest no i'm middle i'm in the middle oh yeah. you got the middle child syndrome <laughs> yeah neglected right <laughs> so uh you know and, and then just events that happened that kind of shaped my mentality i think growing up and a lot of that i think has to do with you know not feeling good enough uh, in, in a lot of situations. Mm. And so I overcompensate by working hard and becoming, you know, one of the best or whatever I try to do um, to make up for that. And, uh, you know, a lot of these things I didn't really realize until later on in my life. And I, you know, took, took some courses that really helped me kind of figure out why I do what I do and what drives me. And, um, you know, and a lot of those courses kind of allowed me to, to, you know, kind of have power over what, what has been driving me so long, which which is good. But I mean, it, I've been fortunate that those those things have, have driven me to a lot of success. It could be a double-edged sword, right? Because sometimes when we value ourselves and our identity based on always winning, then you find yourself retired 
And it's like, where, where does that next triumph come from? Where do we satisfy that feeling that we're constantly working towards when we're in a professional environment, when everything I can imagine, right? I'm not a professional athlete, but I definitely follow, you know, Mm -hmm. sports. And, you know, I can imagine that knowing that maybe you can explain a little bit about your identity. Did your identity tie into those stats at all because you were of a competitive nature? So when you had a really bad game and you, we saw, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we saw, I'll give you a little history um, just so you know. So the first year Dynamo came to to Houston, it was 06, right? 06 and 07, which were the championship years, which would, which were stellar because it set, it really set the tone for soccer in Houston. It set the tone for the fanatics that needed a club here in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys came from San, San Jose, right there. Right. And y'all, y- the team wasn't doing so well there. We right? actually did really well. Actually. They did well, yeah, but yeah. was it you that were struggling a little bit? I think I was injured for the biggest part of the year before. Um, but then you come here and you like <laughs> super stunt that like stunner. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, always want to compete and get better. Uh, and as far as the identity thing goes, it wasn't wasn't about stats or anything like mm. that for me. It was about winning, you know, and and doing what the team need to do to win. You know, I think um, that was more my thing. I didn't really like stats. I I didn't care about. I, I'd rather score a goal or. Uh, and I think my stats suffered sometimes because I did a lot of defending. Um, so when our team was up, you know, take myself out of good positions just to defend, to make sure that we don't get scored on as opposed to, um, you know, uh, just sitting up front and trying to score goals myself. So uh, I, I think I was always a team player, always mm-hmm. bought into that. And that was, um, you know, like I said, why one, why I was successful and two, why, you know, it, I probably stunted some of my own uh, stats and personal but achievements you did that in that way. For the sake of the team, which, to win, yeah, to win, and that's fantastic because a lot of the times we see when certain athletes let their ego get in the way, mm-hmm. and a lot of the times that's really not what a champion is about, right? It's the the camaraderie, and it's about getting everybody there, and not just focusing on on myself. But what do I need to do to help the team win? Well, we're one, right? Mm-hmm. You're operating as one on the field, and 100%. I know that we could see that. I think that for me is one of my biggest attributes that I've taken away from the field, right? Is to be able to create teams that um, now that that work good and create businesses and, and trust in people and. Uh, and I think that's part of the reasons why I've been successful off mm-hmm. the field uh, as well. Um, but it was an easy transition. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, as you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, you see athletes here, they struggle with the transition, but it, it, it is tough. And I was ready for it. You know, I thought I was ready for it, but it still took me about four or five years to really come to grips with what a new normal was for me and what a new, you know, uh, path in life was. And, uh, lots of struggles in, yeah. in those years after, um, you know, from what do I want to do next? What's my identity? Who are my friends? Um, you know, what drives me, what motivates me, you know, realizing that I'll never be able to probably experience those highs that I did when I was playing, um, uh, and, and kind of getting used to all of that. So uh, I, I definitely understand the transition from any athlete now coming out and the difficulties that, that come with it. 
um, when you know you really don't understand those things until you actually go through them. Of course. So let's talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Um, so release your roar, right? That's the podcast. Um, some people, when they reach out to me, and they're like, man, that's such an awesome name. Why? Like, release your roar, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because we all feel empowered when we see a lion. We can identify with that roaring lion. Like, it's on MGM. It's on all the, like, the beginning of Lionsgate movies. And it just, it, the movie starts off, and you see this roaring lion, and you're like, oh, man, I already feel like this is going to be good, right? Yeah. Um, for me, release your roar is more than just a lion roaring. It really has to do with our identity and what inside. And a lot of the times roaring can is not just that lion out in the jungle, the king of kings all the time. Sometimes it's the sea, the waves, they roar, they make a sound. And I can imagine, because I was in the stands as well, that roar of the fans, right? When you're winning and also when you're losing, like, ah. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about that. Like, how does your, what is your roar? Because you just mentioned that the transition from going from those, those highs being Brian Ching, like really the face of the dynamo. We love all the guys, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you, I mean, you really were, you carried that legacy and we attribute that to those, you came, you literally came into the, the Houston arena, right? Mm -hmm. Just knocking things out of the park. (laughs) I should, I should use a soccer, I should use a soccer analogy and not a baseball one. But my point to that is you just mentioned that you had to transition and that transition, we all face that in our, in life, whether Mm -hmm. it's a child leaving home. My daughter just got married, so I'm going through, like, stuff. (laughs) Lord, help me. Okay. You know, and then when you get married, they say there's a six- to seven-year transition period of even adapting to each other. Mm -hmm. So in your transition, when you were at the peak and the lows of of your career, because technically soccer was life, I can imagine, and then now you're, like, retired and you have to make decisions and – I know you were an ambassador and you worked with the Dash, um, but for you, have you found what your war is outside of the stadium or do you feel like your heart still goes back to that? So my roar while I was playing was right when you scored that goal, that 30 seconds to a minute after is absolutely the most exhilarating thing that I ever experienced. And we're always chasing that, right? And that was always what what drove me and made me the happiest is scoring a goal and celebrating with the fans, looking up in the stands, seeing everyone going crazy, screaming and yelling, uh, celebrating with the teammates. I mean, that 30 seconds is what I've chased uh, my entire career. Um, wow. And then, you know, when I was done, there's, I, had, I don't think I'll ever be able to find that level of excitement i think that's kind of the apex of it was it was for me and um and realizing that and realizing that you know it's okay um because it was great while it lasted uh you know you, you have to come to come to grips with that in, in a lot of ways and then you know searching for for the things that find meaning after what's fun or what what, what do i really uh want to do and what am i passionate about moving forward and um you know, it took me a while. You know, at first I thought I wanted to run a team. I thought that that would be 
what to see uh, them score that goal to cheer them on right right Maybe coach them and help right. them or just be a part of the team still be a part of the soccer mm-hmm. and, and and not really knowing all that went into it and so i i transitioned out and thought that was the next thing when i wish i really just took about six months off and did nothing and just kind of tried mm-hmm. to figure it out but uh, jumped right into something it's the moment I retired, uh, becoming the GM of the Dash, um, and kind of struggled through that uh, for a couple of years. Just you know, as far as you know, because it's completely different from playing right the of business course. side and, and trying to trying to shift my way through all of that, and was able to realize that that's not what I wanted to do long term. And then you know, kind of while I was doing that, I also was kind of creating Pitch Twenty Five. Uh, and did that and really got a lot of joy out of that, right? And and building that team or being a part of the team and, and kind of helping make that successful. And um, uh, so that, you know, that's that kind of led into this, you know, the, the second place. Either, this place. Stand beat, uh, and, so and, and, how did that concept come to life? Did you like imagine it, dream it, or <laughs> was pitch? it... Or both. One. I mean, the concept because it's based. Well, this isn't based on soccer, right? But no. pitch pitch twenty five is. Yeah. So pitch twenty five came about because you know when you think of soccer fans, you think of these big watch parties, you know, and you think of uh, a lot of people coming together, and and you know there was. N- okay, boom. Okay, it's back on. All right, little technical difficulty there. <laughs> You know, so we were just talking about pitch 45. So go ahead. 25. 25, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My bad. Yeah, so the idea came about uh, for pitch 25 is, is that, you know, there was luckies there and they would always host these big watch yeah. parties. And I just thought, look, I, I think, you know, I, I kind of thought it was a little grimy, whatever. And I thought I could do, I, like, if I create something better, use my brand, uh, put it near the stadium, uh, that it would be successful. And so... Um, I just drive by that building every day as soon as they built the, the stadium right, yeah. to, to come to work. And uh, I would see, I would be like, you know, that'd be a perfect location right across yeah. the street from the stadium. And so I kind of went about looking into the lease and, and then I did that and kind of building the team, trying to find, you know, which guys could help me make this come into life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had found some great partners and, and my buddies at the Kirby Group and uh, they helped me bring it to life. And, you know, it was just one of those things that, you know, I thought I saw something there. I thought it could do better uh, and went out and did it, and not knowing everything that went into it, but kind yeah. of believing that, you know, my idea is going to be great. And but believing you believed in, myself. in it, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think I kind of did things the right way. I've I got a lot of people saying, you know, it's hard industry. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just truly believe that it would be successful. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough that, that people came out and, you know, we opened their doors right at the right time, right for the World yeah. Cup. And, um, you know, it was successful. I mean, there were a lot of bumps along the way. I mean, there were a lot of learning lessons. And, you know, I think that's life. And every entrepreneur goes through those yeah, things. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, learned a lot from that. And then I had a buddy, um, you know, who kind of owned the land here and was like, hey, look, I got these rental houses. I want to kind of turn it into something else. And I was like, OK, let's do it. So, you know, I kind of make sure I partner with the right people and build the right teams around me um, to be successful, right? And I think that, you know, I've been pretty fortunate so far to be able to, to do that in a couple of the two businesses that I have. And mm-hmm. um, I really get a lot of joy out of that, you know, and um, you know, already thinking about, you know, the next thing and 
think we're going to put a taco shop right over here on the property as well. Tacos is my love language. <laughs> so, tacos. All right, tacos all right. are life. First customer. All right. right we're here. in. <laughs> so, uh, and then we're going to build out the whole block and, and put a bunch more food concepts or, or lease out to other food concepts and, and kind of all feed into a backyard back there. And I think um, I'm really excited about that. You know, I think uh, if we can kind of build it out, I think that. Um, you know, it's something different that, that people will enjoy and, and come be a part of. And, you know, also, you know, when I first opened Pitch and all the people were, were there, was I just loved seeing um, the diversity that kind of came through there, really oh represented our city, you know. And I think that, you know, people would come up to me and say, thank you for building this. This is awesome. I'll, you know, love this. And so, yeah. um, you know, that, that brought a lot of joy and pride as well. You know, I, I wouldn't say it brought me the same heights as, as, <laughs> as scoring goals, goals in stadiums, Eesh. but, um, you know, I do definitely get a lot of joy out of, you know, bringing people in and, and even helping people um, become part of the business. Really? Uh, so well. let me ask you about that. So you came to Houston in 2006 when obviously you came with the Dynamo. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because a lot of the times we see um, – athletes turn Houston into home mm -hmm. and I, I'm a born and I was born and raised here Houston's my hometown I do sometimes romance the idea of moving away to like the <laughs> east coast or the west coast because of the weather because for me I love to see like fall colors and we really don't have that here in Houston it's no. like it's either hot or cold or it's both in the same day like that can be ee, a little frustrating but one of the beautiful things that I attribute um, in growing up being being a, that really carried me in my corporate career and that helped me be successful is being able to relate to diversity, right? A lot of people um, see me and they're like, oh, she's a gringa, right? No. <laughs> well, yes, but Mexican, right? My dad's Mexican and um, that was my first language and I was raised that way and I grew up in the southwest side of Houston, which is known as literally the melting pot of all of all cultural diversities. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of the driving factor, like you just said, that people are um, romanced by Houston has to do a lot with, with our people. <laughs> with number one, for you, the soccer fans, because you're already loved. Like who, <laughs> who doesn't want to like live in a city that everybody loves you, right? It's <laughs> um, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> that's one. Two is, is this just, I literally love the people of Houston. Like, what is your favorite thing about that? I mean, you just said, you know, the multicultural, the diversity, but how different is that from growing up in Hawaii? Like, obviously, everybody there's Hawaii, but, you know, here we've got a little bit of everything, salsita. So, you know, one of the things I always said when I first came to, to Houston was, was, you know, the Aloha spirit and Southern hospitality are kind of similar, right? I mean, mm. people are just very welcoming, um, you know, and obviously was lucky enough to be an athlete um so it's exemplified but um that's what that's one of the things that i really love and, and, and meeting so many different people and, and you know it's it's made doing business here a little bit easier yeah that and, helps. and uh always from from moment one that and, and then the food the food is fantastic right i mean <laughs> when i, I picked this city like you know when I was growing up, no way, because I love the outdoors, and it's hard to be outdoors here yeah. in the summertime with all the heat, and then it gets cold, and then you know, and it's hard an to be ugly outdoors cold. again. 
Yeah. It's not the same as <laughs> well, like because your blood is so thin from from the summers, <laughs> right? Then then it gets somewhat cold and it's like absolutely freezing. So it's like not uh, pretty cold though. No. Yeah. It's, so it's like it feels colder because of the humidity. So. Yeah. And that's what it is, and, and I just love the city because one, you know, it's, it's it's fairly easy to do business, you know, not only here but the state of Texas, uh, you know, and uh, the people and the you know the the food that you get here is fantastic. You know, Food's you can get phenomenal. so much. You know, every culture has 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 a restaurant here that, that people love that you know you can go to and get experience some real legitimate. You so, know, what's your favorite food? I mean, you're Hawaiian, it right? So, it come on. <laughs> tacos? You said tacos. No, tacos. No, I love tacos. <laughs> I love tacos. I love I, I love a good prime rib. You know, love, love a good ribeye. Um, I love uh, what, sushi. Sushi. Um, I love sushi. Yeah. Tacos <laughs> and sushi. Y'all hear me? Tacos, <laughs> sushi. <laughs> so, I mean, I eat a little bit of everything. So, I that, and, that's, and that's kind of what I love about this place is hopefully bring in, like, six or seven or eight different food concepts idea. so that people can come here and you know you have you can try different things or you know if you're not feeling something somebody else is you have a lot of options that is and, brilliant and i think that you know if we could pull that off i think that you know be, be really something unique in the sense that you know i haven't seen that anywhere and um you know and, and i think people would enjoy that don't steal his idea. <laughs> I don't care. Brian's go, idea. Go, no, I'm go for it. You know, if, you, if you can there's do enough, it, right? it's, it's hard. Yeah, like I said, I mean, there's there's so many businesses, you know, and restaurants here that, that uh, there, there's plenty for everybody. And I think you know everybody likes to go out and eat out. You know, especially definitely uh, here in Houston, I think we eat out probably more than almost any other state or city. And so, um, you know, it's great, and I love that part of uh, the city that wants to be out and about and mm -hmm. um, interact. Tell me a little bit about um, Edo. So obviously the stadium's here. Well, and what's beautiful is that you didn't have to really travel much, us fans, <laughs> from like Robertson Stadium to the Dynamo Stadium, BBVA. Um, and I didn't mention this, but my dad has been a season ticket holder since day one. Oh, wow. Like literally day one. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> and and we had season tickets as well for a period there. Um, but what is so fun, let's hear a personal story with you. So his tickets were directly at, when you guys come out of the locker room, yeah. right behind. And everybody knows him because he like has dark skin and like white silver hair. And he has well, he used to have a potty mouth, but he's a you know, <laughs> he serves at church now. He's so. passionate. He's, he's passionate. <laughs> and and it's interesting to me because, you know, he is not he doesn't filter his words. And so there's players out there. So when I mentioned to him, oh, I met so-and-so, ah, I don't care about that, whatever. <laughs> that, that one time he messed up, I'm like, gosh, I'm like, you can be so rough on them. I'm like, why don't you get out and start playing, you know? But he mentioned to me, he's like, it's the fans. We invest time, we invest money, yeah. our heart, our passion into money. them. Yeah. And I remember, this is so funny. You guys were still at Robertson Stadium. My dad was a, he had season tickets there. And uh, my daughters have been going with him. My, my older daughters are 21 and 18 now. Okay. And so we're talking 10 years, like 10 plus years <laughs> that we've got pictures, you know, Dynamo and everything. And my daughter, Alyssa, the one who just got married, she would always go with my dad. And every time she would go, she wouldn't get a picture off with you ever. But every time my other daughter, when you the middle child, yeah. when she would go, 
every time. Picture with Brian. Picture with Brian. <laughs> and there's even a, a scenario where it was my daughter's birthday, I think, and my dad was like, "Can you send her a video?" Because you finally stopped for them that one time, and you're like, you were so tired, but you were such a champ because you like. You just had this heart where there was times where we saw you were like, yeah, he's not stopping for nobody. And there was those times where you were like, you dug deep to please the fans. And so there's a video where you're like, hey, Alyssa, how's it going? So then the other day. I hope it was a little more animated than that. <laughs> no, you were definitely. I mean, you know, in, in Brian Ching personal, your, your way, right? And I feel like we sent that to her and she bawled. She's like, why? Every time. So guess what? So I told her today, yesterday, I'm like, hey, I have an interview with um, Brian Ching. And you want to come? And she's like, are you effing kidding me? She's like, I fly out to Denver tomorrow at 9. Uh. <laughs> so she's in Denver right now. She just got married. Her and her friends are like going to Denver. Congratulations. You know. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And so I was going to have her come help me set up and everything just so she could finally see you face to face. So I thought that was so hilarious because it's just not in the cards for her. <laughs> but I promise I'll send you a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my point to that is that um, Dynamo fans have always been very passionate. How has that translated into business? Because now that you have this amazing place, which in case you guys are wondering why there's background noise and she's not in the studio, we brought the studio here to him yes, to you. really, you know, offer the experience of being here. And um, I feel like, first of all, first impression I got when I walked in was it's super cozy, it's bright, it's, it, it literally fits right into Edo. It really does. It, it's part of the, the redevelopment that's going on out here because yeah. I used to, but it's so beautiful now. Like Edo is really turning into something beautiful. It's becoming like, I want to say the next heights, but it's like, it's really phenomenal, and the location is fantastic. Right. Again, going back to what I was saying, between Robertson Stadium and BBVA, it's like smack dab in the middle. 100%. I, I mean, it, you know, and that's one of the things I loved about it, right? It's kind of this up-and-coming, growing area. And yeah. um, a lot of businesses are coming in here, and there are a lot of people moving here. You know, you said location people. is... It can't beat it, right? I mean, and for the price, right? right location. Now. I mean, it's starting location. to get <laughs> more and more expensive, but... Uh, you know, and the city also did some things where, you know, you don't have parking, uh, you don't have to have parking requirements now. So you can see a lot more businesses pop up. And, you know, I think there's about three or four probably already in the works mm -hmm. that, that are going to pop up within the next year or so. Amazing. And so uh, it's great. You know, it's it, it's fun to see, uh, fun to be a part of, especially, you know, when, you know, Lucky's and then the Dynamo Stadium were like yeah. the first things in, in, like in the area. Uh, such such a transition in the past eight years, nine years since the stadium's been around. So let me ask you, um, when you talk about Houston being away from home, right? Mm -hmm. Do you get to visit home often? Yeah, I mean, I you have family it's in there the blood, still, right? Uh, surfing's in my blood, uh, so I, my mom still lives on the beach there, so we, oh, I get to go back to once or twice a year, uh, and she always comes up about once or twice a year, which is which is nice. So uh, probably don't get to see her as often as enough yeah. or go back as often as, as I'd like to, but um, always, always try to make it a point to get out there. How has COVID affected you? And <laughs> when it comes to visiting family, but really and truly, we've seen a lot of businesses struggle. It's, it's, it's <clears throat> interesting because I, I talk to entrepreneurs, you know, I'm a leadership coach for corporate America and we've seen, there's like this hard line. I was talking to a friend that owns a pizza chain 
And he's like, I feel bad saying that we're doing so well. I'm like, well, yeah, it's pizza. <laughs> like who doesn't want to order pizza when you're stuck at home watching Netflix all day? Right. It's pizza, open a pizza company. Yeah. But when it comes to like opening an establishment and the heart of that, when we had all the restrictions, people afraid of COVID, your bars are shut down. I mean, all those things, how have you guys been able to stay afloat, if you will, or what are your strategies? I mean, or is it just, hey man, we're here, come, come. Come have a beer. Uh, one, you got to stay positive. Two, you got to do what you can to, to, to survive. And then, you know, three, you have to kind of just believe in, in, in what you're doing and, and hope that people uh, will, will like it when, when you come out on the other end. I mean, pitch, pitch. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a huge struggle. Um, you know, I never felt like we would be one of those businesses that would close shop and go away. I always felt that you know, we can make it through this mm-hmm. and come out the other side, uh, you know. And, and thanks to my partners, that they, they did a fantastic job of kind of helping us navigate through that. And then, you know, on this side of things, you know, I have great partners here that kind of helped uh, uh, help the team navigate through getting this open. I mean, originally we were supposed to be just a small space, and then you know we're like, okay, COVID happens, people are going to want to be outdoors, yeah. so we expanded. You know quite a bit you know added <laughs> the patio uh, i'm assuming yeah. i mean it's beautiful I mean, we were just goodness do first the front patio and the side patio but then we had the whole backside as well with the dog park um those were things we we're going to build later on but you know because of uh you know we obviously increased the scope of the project you know thanks to my investors who, who mm-hmm. were patient with me thanks to next seed who we worked with uh who made things easy for us and and the investors through that kind of worked with us uh as well um, so, you know, I think part of it is, yeah, it was really difficult, but thankfully I, you know, was able to create pretty good teams around what we're trying to do to kind of get open. And, um, you know, now we've been open in October, you know, thanks to everybody who's come out and supported us and, you know, enjoyed it. Um, obviously, um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't easy, still not no. easy, right? <laughs> this is just the first phase of this project. But and, it's beautiful. Um, and that's, and that's the joy I get out of it, right? Being able to kind of, uh, work with teams to kind of, you know, you navigate any type of situations. Like when you're on the field, you can navigate any thing that happens on the field. And as long as you kind of stick together as a team and work together as a team and you get, you know, smart people together are willing to work hard and they're loyal. I think, you know, you can make it through a lot of things. I think it's, there's so much substance on what you're saying. And I hear you saying the word teams so much. (laughs) So, but for me, um, in my job, my corporate job, this is obviously part of it, but you know, I own the RE source. And so what I do is I go in and I, I, I coach executives and I do masterminds with their leadership (laughs) and it's, it's really hard to see companies, like I said, succeed, especially during this time that the world is struggling and having such a hard time, when they don't have that camaraderie within their team. Like, there, I know it's cliche in the business world, but the fact that you already have that established, I would say, in your DNA, because you've you've relied on a team, on a yeah. on a on a brotherhood, most mm-hmm. probably, right? Yeah. And so creating that. Starting off with that concept right off the bat, when you implement that into entrepreneurship, which is hard because a lot of the times entrepreneurs have a a lot of hats to wear, right? Mm -hmm. But when you have a team and you have the right team, it really sets you up for success. And what would you, would you attribute your intuition on what 
creates a good sound team from your experience on the field? Does that translate off the field or do you really rely on partners and the people in your team to kind of help you conceptualize what success looks like for you? Yeah, I mean, I've like been trained. Yeah, I've been on a team my entire life, to be honest. And so it's just kind of ingrained in me and, and I know that I have my strengths and I know that um, I have my, I would say opposite strengths, I can't think of the word, but um, downfalls are, or, or my weaknesses are, put it that mm-hmm. way. And then, um, you know, I try to find people that, you know, kind of complement that yeah. um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, some of it's been luck finding the right people and loyal people, but, it, you know, I, and then, you know, I think one of my strengths is to, to get people to buy into that and be a part of it, yeah. right? And I think that, um, you know, I can get along with pretty much anybody, any personality, any, um, you know, 90% of people I can I can have a conversation with or get along with. And then, you know, I, I want to see people succeed. And I want them to be um, successful. And That's I think beautiful. I, and I think that they see that, that I'm genuine in that say, mm-hmm. and they open up and then, uh, you know, allows them to feel uh, safe, trust, safe. and um, and you know, if, if if they have a problem, I want to hear about it and try to help them through it. And you know, if we can get through it together, great. You know, so uh, I think that's kind of where my strengths are in, in a lot of ways is to uh, kind of get people to work together on, on, on a team. And uh, so far, so good. You know, obviously have ups and downs, but, um, but, uh, you know, look forward to kind of continue doing that and hopefully can continue to keep building teams, uh, as I move forward. Awesome. So let me ask you another question. And this is just coming to me while I'm hearing you say that, um, you have a son. Mm -hmm. How old is he? Uh, almost five. Almost already? Yeah. Five five and next week. Awesome. What day? Seven. Oh, I'm the fourth. Scorpio, <laughs> fellow Scorpio. <laughs> um, is soccer something that you want him to play? Is that something you're instilling in him because of your love for it? Or is it something he's interested in? Uh-oh. <laughs> That's um, I want him to play. Uh, but it's funny because he goes, Daddy, Daddy, soccer's your your sport he goes baseball I like baseball and I'm like, okay <laughs> and I, like I'm not a huge fan of baseball mm-hmm. uh, it's okay I, to say it <laughs> I, I enjoy watching it like yeah. don't get me wrong like not nine innings but I enjoy watching um, yeah I just think for me it's it's from playing a sport where you're always dialed in to a sport yeah. where you know it, you know it, it, it's a little slow from, from from my standpoint and well, because uh, soccer is so fast paced I mean you're constantly like your brain has to be operating all the time yeah and, and especially straight, when you're 45 minutes it. you have to be engaged yeah right where uh, baseball's not like that so obviously I think you know it, it for me it's it's just different and so I, I don't really enjoy it and um, but he, he loves it and I and if that's what he loves, then, You're then that's what, that's him. what, yeah. So we're always out playing baseball, um, you know, taking him to that and the ninja gym. He loves doing like uh, ninja warrior stuff. Really? So, so he's athletic. Uh, oh, he's, ex- he's extremely athletic. I mean, I, 
obviously I'm biased, but I, <laughs> I hear a lot of people go, this, this kid is something else. So he's uh, definitely um, Ching's son. So I, uh, but I enjoy that. I mean, that's my first love these days. I mean, that's that, you know, outside of, uh, not even outside that, I mean, that for me has been the biggest joy and, um, fulfillment that I've gotten, um, since, since leaving the field and, your son. Uh, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And, and so it's, and it's fun. And then, you, you know, I'm constantly always worrying, am I doing the right things, this and that, right? And that's just my personality. And, mm -hmm. and But he's he's good and he's happy and he's playing everything. And I'm trying to trying to get him to play all the sports, you know, uh, that's why they're growing up. And then whichever one he picks down the road uh, is, the one, is the one that, uh, you know, I support him on. support so. him on. Um, but like, yeah, my goal right now is just to get him to play everything. You know, I want to get golf. <laughs> I want him to do some tennis, which he loves tennis too. So uh, it's uh, a little bit of everything, and mm -hmm. you know, I think that you know, eventually he'll 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 come down and pick one, and you know, I'll help him. You know, obviously, selfishly on soccer, I would of want him course. to because I could help him probably the most yeah. <laughs> on that side of things. But um, but no, he, you know, he tries to tell me how to play soccer uh, these days. So it's, it's he's a leader. Funny. He's a leader. He's probably competitive <laughs> well, like dad. He's definitely competitive. That's he, beautiful. He definitely like, is a sore loser at this point. And oh. that's something that you're going to have to kind of you know, coach him on, I think, uh, as we move forward. But uh, he does have that competitive gene. I mean, that's extremely competitive, which, which is a blessing and a curse. And it is a blessing that. and a curse. I can relate. My daughter... Um, I obviously I never played soccer, but my brothers played soccer, collegiate soccer. Another brother trained with the Rayados in Monterrey. My dad's been like he was a goalie. My stepdad played soccer. I mean, like soccer, soccer, soccer. And my youngest, my other, my older two, they played softball, Westview. And it was a little slow for our pace. Same thing, you know. We liked action, but that's what they wanted to play. Um, my youngest daughter, she's eight, and we, you know, signed her up for soccer. And it's embarrassing because when she doesn't score a goal, and she was like six, I mean, it's like the tantrums. And I'm like, compose yourself. Like, it's just the YMCA. Like, this is not some, but but you can see that competitiveness in her. And, um, and so anyway, I just, I relate to that. But let me ask you about, so... Do you guys go and like surf the waves when we in Galveston whenever there's like a storm coming? I I would do that before, but now I can take him down and surf and anything. You just push him in, and he actually loves it. Does know? he really? And, and I don't get. I mean, it's such a drive, and we don't get out there enough. But he does love it, and I've made it a point a couple of times this you know past uh, summer to to get him down there and stand up and. You know, he's, he, he likes it. He really loves it. I mean, he loves everything right now. You still now. got it? And Do you still got me? it? Yeah. I always compared myself against professionals. And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't have it. But compared to most people, I'm probably really good. <laughs> Do you think that the balance, having that balance and having to like super focus on the wave mm -hmm. helped transition into soccer? <clears throat> and especially in those big bicycle kicks <laughs> that you did that you're so famous for? No, I... Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I, I you know, I, you, you only stand up, and it's funny, you only stand up about 10% of the time when you're surfing, right? Because the rest mm. of the time you're paddling, catching yeah. waves. People don't realize right. that. It's like you have to really build up your shoulders to to be able to, to even catch a wave. Yeah. Um, and so, it, but for surfing was always one of those things I loved, right? It's like one of those sports or one of those things that, you know, Every time I did it, no matter how things were, I always had a smile on my face, and, and it makes me happy. And so, 
it's kind of like my escape a lot of a lot of times. Um, obviously, still don't, still don't get to do it enough, but mm-hmm. um, but it but it it is my my first love, and you know I, I just think learning, concentrating on anything, you know, surfing that relates to learning and balance, and for any sport that you do, so. It's all interrelated, and I think that's why I want my son to kind of play and do everything, and do everything before yeah. he really you know, starts focusing on the one sport. What would you say? I, this is going to not tickle some people's ears, but that's okay because that's part of being raw. <laughs> um, my dad, I remember going to my brother's soccer games, and for a period of my life, I hated it mm-hmm. because it was like 5 a.m. tournament, rain, sunshine, another tournament, really? Like, why are you rubbing his legs like that? Like, the whole, oh, my God, your soccer shoes, they stink. Like, like literally by the time I was 15, I was like, I'm so done with anything that has to do with soccer. But I went on a little riff there. I remember my dad saying that there was those parents that used to force their kids to go play soccer that really weren't the best. But he felt like they were doing their children an injustice because they know that when they're on that team that they weren't performing as well, and so they leave knowing that, right? At what point do you think that a kid either has it or do you believe that every every kid has the potential to grow into an amazing player or at least a good team player? I don't think that's the case. No. Right. I, 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 look. I wasn't the most gifted athlete, but I worked the hardest, and I wanted it. That's a come. I mean, it. if if you know, you can't force somebody to do something they don't want. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like anything, right? like yeah. they go across every spectrum, not just sports. Yeah. Right. If you're trying to force somebody and, and they're not doing it, yeah. then, then they then they're never gonna. Elab- I say that, and then you read the Andre Agassi of autobiography, and, and he turns out to be. But I, I think on some level he enjoyed it, and he mm-hmm. enjoyed winning. And so I think that's probably what, what drove him over the fact that you know his dad made him go out there and practice. Um, you know, I think there's more to that than, mm-hmm. you know, um, but not, it could be a rare case. But, I, you know, I, I think, you know, to be a professional athlete, you have to be born with a certain amount of athleticism. Totally, you know? I believe it. And um, and a lot of people are. Don't get me wrong, of but course. it's the ones that kind of have that self-drive and motivation to, to do better or whatever drives them. Uh, that um, you know, those are ones that 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 rise to the top. But mm-hmm. if if you're pushed and you really don't have that desire, then I mean, yes, if you're a good athlete, you could be a decent player and, and things like that. But, you know, having said that, I think everybody should play team sports because it, obviously, you know, as the theme we talked about is, is team. And, you know, I've gotten into the business world in a lot of ways and I've seen where uh, people don't operate like that, right? And to the yep. detriment, right? And, that's, and they just don't understand because they're just not wired that way from, from, from a young age to work with other people to be able to uh, see control in areas that you're not <laughs> in area of your weakness, of your weakness. When, you know or you let your ego get in the way mm-hmm. of uh, of you know the common goal and and um, you know I think team sports teach that in a lot of ways and the more you can be in that environment and that reinforces things as you kind of get older and older I think the better it is for for people so I think that's why 
sports is is uh, extremely important. I, I agree, hundred percent. Do you miss it? I miss just playing. Yeah, I miss the lifestyle. Or you miss the hanging lifestyle. out with my friends. Yeah. I miss scoring goals. Uh, miss hearing the crowd cheer in the stadiums. Uh, I don't miss the day, uh, the toll it took on my body, <laughs> and and. That that's the, there's a lot to be that said. I put myself under. Yeah. <laughs> so your body. So do you? Are you? Are you? How do you maintain yourself now? I mean, being a professional athlete has rigorous, so rigorous, right, on your body and your knees and stuff. I mean. So now I do low impact stuff. Uh, uh, I do water workouts, uh, walks their machine, uh, do a little bit of weights here and there. Nothing, not, not a lot of heavy stuff. Just more mm -hmm. maintenance stuff and. Try to do as little running as possible. Um, play soccer once in a while because I still have to. I love it. You love uh, it. So I, um, I do that like once, twice a month. Um, but that's kind of the only running I do because it really it does hurt. Um, mm. And then I drink a lot of coffee, so I don't need a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so Hello, coffee uh, lover here. You know, it cuts my appetite, so <laughs> you know, I, I don't. Uh, but you're very fortunate. Yeah. yeah. Right, and I think I've trained my body in a lot of ways physically to, you know, get maximize the the when I do do workouts that you know. So I, I and I'm also paranoid. I'm a little vain. Like I don't Are want, you really? I, I don't want to get. You don't you seem know, like I, it. I don't want to get. Well, I'm just hardest on myself, so I you know I don't want to get um, what do you say out of shape out of too shape, far. Of so. That's why, like, I'll get to a point and I'm like, oh, okay, I better start doing a little bit more. A little bit more. <laughs> Trust me. The last, like, <clears throat> the last year, it's so interesting because my husband um, and I, when I was young, I ran track and for a little while, and it, it helped me go fast and stop. Mm -hmm. And then as an adult, it was like, well, let's train for a marathon. I'm like. But before, I used to literally look at people like, who does that? Who wants to run and have rashes and, like, destroy your body? Like, who does that, right? It's, it's funny because I went the opposite direction, right? Because <laughs> really? I was always running and always that. And then at the end of my career, I was like, oh, I'm going to do an Ironman. I want to do an Ironman. Did you? No. And then I got to the end of my career, I was like, there's no way I'm going to run and hurt myself for to, hours to, to prove that. I've already proven enough That's in right. athleticism. And so... Um, but I, I always, and if my, maybe if my knee wasn't as messed up as it was, I would have tried to do one. Probably. Um, Cause you're competitive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, now it just got to a point where it was too painful. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I kind of was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta dial it back. Quite so you a bit. have to do low impact things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, eventually I'll need a knee replacement, um, just because of, you know, the meniscus surgeries and, and missing cartilage and. So you haven't it, it had any knee well. surgeries? So I've, had a, I've had a bunch of meniscus surgeries, oh. four, I think, and then Achilles, wow. fractured my face twice, Your finger face? surgeries, a couple cracked ribs. Yeah, me I was beat up. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got beat up quite a bit. So. Oh, those are not fun to have. They're yeah. definitely not fun to have. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's taken its toll in a lot of ways, but uh, can't complain. I, I enjoyed the ride. So do you miss the adrenaline rush of having to sprint and run and catch and, and, you know, cut and do all that stuff with the soccer ball? Or do you really just miss the camaraderie of it? Camaraderie, for Who's sure. Who's your best it's, friend, it's you would say? Right. Um, one of my business partners here, 
Uh, one of my best friends. Yeah. I have you know guys that I played with: Stu Holden, Bobby Boswell. Um, you know a lot of guys that I grew up with. Uh, yeah, I, I think I have a lot of good friends. Yeah. You know? So and, you but, still keep in touch with a lot of the guys that you played with? Uh, a few, and then the rest when you see them, it's like time hasn't passed of really. Of course, right? that brotherhood. Uh, uh, but that was one of the biggest things that I had to get used to when I stepped away from the field, which is one of the hardest things. And I think most guys struggle with is you live a life where you're hanging out with guys every day, right? Mm -hmm. These are your friends. Mm -hmm. And you spend every day with them. You travel the world. You, um, you know, you go to practice and you go home and then you hang out later on. And so your idea of a friendship is a little bit morphed, right? Yeah. Or weird. Uh, not weird, but it's just this is your idea of a friendship period. Okay, you spend all this time, you do all this and this. And when you get away from the team and the real world, you don't get that, right? Mm, that's so interesting. you're like, I felt like I had no friends. For like years and years, I felt like I had no friends because I wasn't able to, to maintain that type of relationship with anybody, right? And so it was, mentally, it was it was the toughest thing. I always find myself saying, gosh, I don't have any friends, I don't have any friends. Um, when actually, it's just, your friendships are different. Right? Yeah. Your life is different, so your friendships are completely different. I think that's where a lot of guys don't realize that, and they really miss that, right? Because mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're not every day hanging out, joking around, shoot, shooting, you know, the, shooting the crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better term. But of uh, so that mentally, and then you don't think about these things before you retire. So like, you're not, you can't prepare yourself. No one prepares you for right? that. And then if you don't develop a good relationship or understanding of what's going on then it, it hits you like a ton of bricks and you know it's tough i mean it, yeah. there's a lot of tough moments in in, in uh, getting away from sports that you have to deal with as an athlete you know most people build up to their dream jobs you're working your way backwards right in a lot of yeah. ways right so wow, you know what a perception. I, had, I had a lot of help in that you know i got to see um somebody a psychologist for a while that really kind of helped lay things out for me in that way uh and that, that's beautiful you know, though it, it, it i mean if, if i didn't have, have that, that it would have been yeah. even more of a struggle than it already was so i was pretty fortunate that i decided to do that before um i retired wow and so do you feel like for instance because you're branching that it's hard to develop those friendships with people that just really genuinely want to be a friend with you for who you are i feel like i'm pretty good about um, developing relationships and, and, and knowing the difference uh, in a lot of ways um, with, with with people, um, but I'm pretty open. You know, I'm a pretty open person with with pretty much you know everyone. I yeah. think that's one of my strengths and one of the things that people like the most is the fact that you know I'm not really shielded. I, I share what I thought. I'm pretty open. Um, Modest. I'm very giving in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. uh, and so you know I I haven't had to worry about that too much. Um, uh, very fortunate. Pretty lucky. Pretty lucky. You're very yeah. yeah you're yeah, very yeah, fortunate. Sure. Um, gosh, I had a question. Oh, so for me, which is very unconventional, mm -hmm. um, I grew up with a single father. My dad, Mexican. He was single. And um, my experience a lot was around guy stuff. And my dad was always working out and, you know, he was doing things. But one of the things that I became attached to or that I really liked 
was the movie Rocky. <laughs> Love it. I used to listen to the, the beat before games. Exactly, or some right? Of the songs. To pump right. you Seriously, up. Seriously, yeah. And so to me, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because of my young mind and, you know, when you're young, your mind is developing, you attach th to things and yeah. you accept ideas. So for me, even to this day, like that's my favorite movie and my favorite franchise. To, and they just keep getting better. <laughs> and um, but I just I love the character that Sly plays of Rocky Balboa in Rocky One. He's like a genuine champion. Mm -hmm. um, so my question to you is, who in your eyes is that like that champion? on and off the field or in their profession or whatever like what first first question what defines a champion to you and then who is that champion i thought about this before um okay. well, the, we second one, the second one is uh, <laughs> probably my mom right i mean raised mm. three boys by herself you know and you know we you know, didn't have any really wants in the mind. She took care of everything. She made is, sure you great. guys were taken care of? Yeah. 100%. What did your mom do? So, uh, she ran an agriculture research company in Hawaii. Wow. Um, she was like a scientist. But she worked hard, right? I mean, she worked hard. Mm -hmm. uh, she was no-nonsense a lot of times, but... Pretty strict? Uh, yeah, pretty strict. Um, but, you know... Did and, you and, get spankings? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> of course, three boys. Any that you remember? Oh, gosh. You know, my favorite story is, like, we were, you know, we'd always come up and uh, tour the uh, U.S. in the summertime. So mm -hmm. we go on these long 2,000-mile road trips up and down the West Coast, all the national parks. And we're in the middle of the desert once, and, you know, it's three boys. And so I'm fighting with my little brother in the back seat, right? And she's, she, I mean, she's had enough because all we're doing is fighting. You know, could you imagine three boys fighting for a 2,000-mile road trip? <laughs> Trust right? me. And, I've been there with yeah. three girls. I know the feeling. <laughs> so, like, you know, we're in the middle of the desert. And some, like, oh you can gosh. see as far as, you know, as the road goes. And, Tumbleweeds. And, oh, yeah. And literally, she got out. She was so pissed. She, she yelled at her. Me and my, pulled over her side of the road. Told me and my little brother to get out. And she drove off like a mile. Oh, my she gosh. Like no, she didn't. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no cars coming either way. I should have done that. The whole time. And me and my brother like, whoa. We really uh, messed uh, up. Uh, this is brutal. And <laughs> Did then, you hit him and, and say, it's your she, fault? Then she just kind of parked up there and just sat for a little while. <laughs> and wow. then, then I got back. Oh, so she came back to get you. She didn't make you walk the mile. No, no. <laughs> uh, but did you cry? Did you apologize? How did you react? Oh, we were just in shock. Like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> did, it, did, did it do the trick? <laughs> for a while. You know, for a while. We're still two boys. And, you know, we still got into it after that. But um, it was pretty funny. But Road anyways, trips can so be fun, was, but they can also was, be challenging. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But 100%. she what? I'm sorry. But she was, I mean, so she was, she was just, hard worker right so I think I instilled a lot of that into you know who I was and why I became successful in a lot of ways and so um you know I, I would say she was my champion I didn't really you know I surfing wise I, I liked Kelly Slater mm. you know he he won everything champion <laughs> yeah, champion <laughs> um but as far as soccer and all that I just no I didn't really look up to anybody I just kind of went and, and tried to be the best I could be and tried to learn from other players by watching them and, and things like that. But, you know, as far as, like, having a role model on that side of things, on uh, sports side of things, I didn't. Um, so my idea of a champion, that's that's tough. I think somebody that's just achieves what they want to achieve and successful. 
right? Wow. Um, what, I mean, like you said, it's so subjective as, as, as to, you know, but I always um, wanted to be the best. So mm -hmm. do I feel like I was a champion? I feel like I failed because I wasn't really one of the best, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I achieved a lot. And, I'm, and you know, nowadays I'm, I'm happy and content where I was always chasing, I guess, or always not feeling uh, good enough in a lot of ways yeah. because I wasn't as successful as the best person in the world was at what I did, you know, so I'd always downplay all of my successes. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, so, so, you know, now, you know, that I can step back yeah. and really analyze and, and figure out what's, what's driven me and why I've done the things I do, I can definitely appreciate things a little bit more because I don't let those same things drive me, uh, in the same way that he used to. Well, I feel like the very fact that you answered in that way is why 90%, probably 100% of Dynamo fans look at you and when you ask them, who's the champion in your book? <laughs> really, and I know that you're you're very humble when it comes to that, but the very fact that that is, that is the heart of a champion. You're humble, but you also, it's in your heart. It's the heart to win. It's the heart to to win and it's the heart to move, to not fail right and when you fall you get back up and so for me that was kind of the thing about rocky right that was so beautiful to me was he just had a heart he just went out there and, and gave it his all mm -hmm. and he wasn't doing it because look at me it was more like i just want to win because that's what i have to, that's the task at hand is to win and so with that i only have i have a just a couple more questions. Okay. Um, can you talk about a time that that you remember being the best time on the field? Like that day is memorable because you've played thousands of games, thousands of stadiums, thousands mm -hmm. of, yep. you know, World Cup, you know, all those things. What is like that one moment that you always go back to in your mind? On the soccer side of things, there's two moments that I have that um, – one was in the 2006 championship, oh. obviously scoring the goal right after uh, New England scored their goal to tie it up, and then winning. Uh, those that, that was a that was a highlight. And then earlier in that year, when I went to the World Cup, uh, was we played against Italy. Um, didn't even get a play, uh, but was on the team. And for some moment during the national anthem, oh. uh, I just was like thinking, "Wow, I was like a small kid." didn't grow up in a soccer culture, came from a small island in the Pacific, you know, uh, now I'm at the biggest sporting event in the world, representing my country, and for some reason, I just had those thoughts at that moment, and was like, well, you come a long way, did the pretty proud, good, you know, the pride and so, felt. yeah, I allowed, allowed myself to, to, yeah, to, to feel, be grateful. Feel great. yeah, to, yeah, to Gratitude. Uh, just to appreciate the work that I put into at where I got at that moment. And, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. And it was just like during the national anthem, it was just one of those things. I was like, wow, this is, That's this is pretty amazing. neat. You know? And so it wasn't even, I didn't even get to touch the ball. But, you know, it was just like, okay, come a long way. 
You know, that's interesting you said that. See, that's that's what I look at at the heart of a champion because you were at the World Cup, you made it there, and you said you didn't play where other people may have been like, man, I didn't get to play, and they have that. But you took that, and you were grateful in that moment. And so that is natural to you. You came, and you just looked around, and you thought. And, and one thing that I want to note is during the national anthem, how many people during that anthem that come from very little backgrounds actually take that moment to be grateful to represent their country and to be there. I'll, 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 I just, so my dad, again, like he was a single dad, an immigrant from Mexico. And um, he used to take me to the Astros games a lot. Okay. And they always lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Craig Biggio was obviously one of our favorites. And we, you know, we had this thing, but I remember literally during the national anthem, I'd look over and he would cry. And I would say, Papi, ¿por qué lloras? And he would be like, he goes, because this is the greatest country in the world. And I'm about to cry thinking about it. But he would tell me, he's like, the national anthem, the fact that I came from Mexico, that I came as an immigrant, that had the opportunity to work. And, and for my dad, he built a business, a landscaper. But, but he still does it. He's 65 and he's fit. I mean, you look at my dad <laughs> yeah, and he's like super props. fit and props. But I'll say this is that he instilled in me the gratitude to not take for granted that I was born in this country, which a lot of people, you don't get to choose where you're born. There's people in other countries that are suffering and their dream is to come to this amazing country. Regardless of the political drama that we have going on, <laughs> it, the, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're still one of the best countries to live in in the world, I feel like. Um, and I feel like the gratitude that he instilled in me mm -hmm. during the national anthem, when I hear it to this day, it always takes me back to, my dad was one of those. He was an immigrant, naturalized citizen. And because of the country and that moment where I remember looking over to him as a little girl, five, six, seven, eight years old, and him shedding tears. And to this day, he still gets goosebumps. I mean, so when you say that, you know, during that national, it was a moment for you. I, I, my heart believes that it's a moment for a lot of people. Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope but so. Not like you at the World Cup in Italy <laughs> <laughs> or playing Italy yeah, for one. Was, yeah, that was something special, right? That was just one yeah. of those things that just, you know, moments like etched in your memory that uh, you know, really you can hear and smell. And, so it was cool. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. end with this question because I know we've been, you know, spending some quality time together. Um, talk to me a little bit about faith. A lot of people nowadays um, are afraid to talk about their faith, if they have faith, if they don't have faith. Um, I've done business and I still have friends or people that I work with that are atheists. And then I have others that are like extremely bold yeah. in their faith. Um, I'm bold in my faith. Um, people are bold in whatever they believe, and mm -hmm. I respect that. Um, how has faith, or are you a faith person? Did your parents raise you in a faith-established environment? I was, I was raised a Catholic. Went okay. through like all, all of that. And, you know, I'd say now, um, I'm not as religious. Mm -hmm. uh, my faith, I guess, is, is my belief that just treat people the way you want to be treated and be nice uh, or caring in, in a lot of ways. And for me, I, I feel and I get turned off a lot of things. Like if you don't believe in this, you, you know, this, that, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of different things or, or like, you know, if you're 
too far on one side as opposed to the other side. You know, I don't think that's healthy. And so I just feel for me is like if I go about living my life and treating people uh, the way I want to be treated and treating them right, trying to be fair, trying to be honest and work hard, that no matter what afterlife there is, if some, if some God doesn't want to accept me for that, then okay, that's fine. But uh, well, I just want to be a good citizen, good person, uh, care about people. And, you know, I live my life that way. And, you know, I don't need to, to have somebody say that that's, if you don't, you know, if, if, if you exactly. believe in this side or this side, you're not going to come to my afterlife. I, don't, I, I find that hard to believe in a lot of ways. And so I feel you go and live your good life and there's an afterlife, then, you know, you should be, be accepted. And if I'm not, then that's not really... Do you believe in really... a creator of the world? <laughs> I, my mom's a scientist, now I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Although she's <laughs> religious. Fine line. She's a scientist. So, yeah. uh, you know, I... I don't know. I don't, don't know. know. It's okay. But, Whatever yeah, is real to a, you. If you still and, haven't and, decided yet, then what so you believe. For me, it's just going about being a good person and I, I believe that. that you know if everybody went out about being a good person then you know we'll be better off um, as opposed to if you don't believe in what I believe then then I can't be friends with you or you know I think, I think there's a lot of separation in, in a lot of things uh, today and you know for me it's I try not to get into all of that and just be That's like good. look I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna live my life I'm gonna be a good person I'm do what I think is right and you know I hope you know and, and I'm not gonna let anything get in the way of you know a friendship or anything like that absolutely so let me ask you with that being said mm -hmm. um, giving you mentioned that earlier so mm -hmm. are you part of any organizations that are really near and dear to your heart so I've been on the board of Houston Habitat now for oh, seven years um, just enjoyed that uh, while I was playing, raised a bunch of money for houses for them, uh, did a bunch of charitable causes. Uh, so, I, you know, I I do believe in giving back. I mean, I feel like I live a pretty fortunate life. And one of the things that I want to do is, and, and it's one of the things that you know, I get a lot of joy out of, you know, in a, self, in a selfish way. It's like, you know, you're, 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 you know, you see the people work really hard for the American dream and you're able to... Uh, Provide them with an affordable house, which is, uh, which is amazing. And so, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's the the biggest uh, charity that I've been involved with uh, over the past few years. Well, that's beautiful. Well, with that, I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart <laughs> because you're, you know, you definitely have, you know, the businesses you're running, a family. And, um, and me, I believe that our time is the most valuable and the most irreplaceable thing that we have. So the fact that you gave your time to me and to the people listening and to your fans, um, thank you from the bottom of my heart Enjoy. for releasing your roar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So you guys come out to East End Backyard, yes. 1105 Samson in the middle of downtown, or not downtown, but Edo, we're in East Houston, which is East Downtown, for those who don't know what Edo stands for. Um, we invite you out, and it's a great, it's super nice in here. It's cozy. They got a beautiful backyard. 
Um, you've got a patio. Today it's kind of chilly and windy, but I promise by probably tomorrow it'll be hot and humid in Houston. <laughs> Hopefully it warms up a little. Hopefully it warms up a little, but if not, and you like to be outdoors, it's beautiful out here. So thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks, Chad. You're amazing. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this latest episode with Brian Chain. This episode was brought to you by Autos Auto World in Alvin, Texas. If you are looking to sell your vehicle, trade it in and get the most money for your vehicle in all of Houston, and you want to get beyond that, but amazing customer service, I personally can tell you that they will over exceed your expectations because they did mine. If you are interested in sponsoring an episode for yourself, please reach out. This was another episode of Release Your Roar. Do you know someone who has a story to share? Connect with Crystal at becomingaliones.org. Send us love and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. This was Release Your Roar.